Good morning. Our scripture reading today is from um, Psalm 42, and uh, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, if you care to follow along. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is, within, is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This is God's word. The Reformation theologian and pastor John Calvin said that the Psalms are like an anatomy for all parts of the human soul. If you've experienced any emotion in any type of circumstance, somewhere in the Psalms, that experience, that emotion is represented. I don't find it as a mistake that the Holy Spirit made the largest book of the Bible, 150 sung prayers so that we know how to approach God as his people, as creatures, um, in any situation. So the Psalms each summer, and we we look at them a bit, you know, we we work our way through some of the Psalms each summer, uh, I believe because the Psalms help us to slow down. Life is fast, we're moving fast, we have many things going on. And the Psalms help us slow down. The Psalms teach us how to meditate. They impress upon us the vital, lost art and discipline of meditation, as Chrissy mentioned earlier. The Psalms also primarily help us cultivate a life of prayer. A life of prayer. And Psalm 42 here begins book two out of the Psalms' five organized books. And, and Psalm 42 describes, I think, what's one of the best known phrases in all the Psalms, right? As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the singer says. For the living God, when, he asks, when shall I come and appear before God? So the songwriter likens his desire for God's presence in his life, he likens it to a beast in the wilderness gasping for water. 
And as we consider this psalm today, we'll, we'll discover how uh, the singer is writing from the perspective of someone who is far away from Jerusalem and the temple. He's probably far to the north, the very northern border of the northern kingdom of Israel, where Mount Hermon lies, majestic over the landscape. And so far from his home in the north, he's among adversaries. He's in a difficult situation, and frankly, he's depressed. As he says more than once, his soul is cast down. From a spiritual perspective, he is thirsty. He's thirsty. What I think is interesting about Psalm 42 is the adversity in the singer's life, it triggers two very different things. It triggers both a desire for God and it triggers a doubt because of God's silence. It seems as we read the song that he both desires God He's thirsty for God, and yet he's doubting God at the same time because of that very adversity that's driving him to thirst. It's driving him to thirst, and it's tempting him to doubt at the same time. And so I think what you see here in the Psalms is just how realistic and relatable the Bible is to our present experience. It is ancient literature, ancient poetry, and yet we find ourselves in it. We find ourselves in this ancient song, very relatable, very realistic for us. Because think about it, in the past year plus, as we've gone through a pandemic and political tensions, social unrest, haven't we done both? Haven't you done both as an individual? You have thirsted for God in your crises and also doubted him at the same time, have asked him, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you allowing these things to take place? Don't we often find that our our longing for God and our doubting of God are intermixed? And it's okay if you've experienced that. I think you're frankly dishonest with yourself if you can't relate to that. And here's what I hope you're going to see in the 42nd Psalm, that those who thirst for their God find his nourishment even in their adversity. A thirst and hunger for God will not leave you deprived in the end. But even in your adversity, he will nourish you. So as we talk about the way God nourishes us, I want to focus on past, present, and future, okay? The way God has nourished you in your past, the way he is nourishing you right now in the present, and how he's going to nourish you in the future. That's the idea for today. So God's, God's past nourishment of you is something that you recall through the active act of memory. And I'm using the word memory as Eugene Peterson described it in his really good book on the Psalms and prayer called Answering God. He devotes an entire chapter in his book on the Psalms to memory. And how the Psalms help us remember who we are in light of who God is. For instance, Eugene Peterson wrote that prayer does not often bring something new to us. Right? Sometimes we're, we're, we pray and we reach out to God because we're, we're looking for something. We want an answer. We want a solution. But Peterson says often it doesn't happen that way. Often prayer brings into expression what is there. Activating memory so that 
what we have before us, in fact, is what we experience. We recognize the reality of another person. We are faced with the incontrovertible evidence of a piece of history, a journey, a meal, a camping place. Camping place reminds me of photo albums. Some of you might remember photo albums. And photo albums remind us as we flip through them, and, and maybe if you've arranged your own photo album, you, you know, you've got a box of pictures and you've got to decide which ones do you want to put in the photo album. Well, all those photos, they remind us of past experiences, past vacations, past teams that we played on or, or schools uh, that we studied at or people who are not with us anymore. Some of them have died. Some of them, because of conflict, don't talk to us anymore or we're not talking to them. But photo albums remind us of where we've come from. And so Eugene Peterson, when he looks at the Psalms, he basically is saying prayer helps us organize our past. It helps us organize our entire life maybe or just the last year or maybe just yesterday or last week. But prayer helps us organize our past into something meaningful. He goes on to write the act of speech, right? So praying to God. The act of speech, it brings us into order one word after another, one sentence after another. We're taking whatever's jumbled up inside of us, and, and, and even if it's chaotic and disordered, we're, we're giving form to it, remembering. And sure enough, what does the psalmist say in verse 4? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng. And then in verse 4, he recalls how he remembers he would go during, during the major feasts and festivals of the year. He would go up to the temple in Jerusalem. He said with the throng, right? With shouts and praise. Maybe he was one of the musicians. Maybe this was his job. Or maybe he was just along with the crowd. We don't know. But he remembers going up to those glorious festivals to worship God, maybe with his family or with his friends, definitely with other people who shared his faith. He recalls all of that joy and celebration. He remembers it. And he remembers how God in the past had nourished him through public worship, how God had nourished him with the fellowship from others, other people of faith, the connection, the interconnectivity that he had with them. He remembers worshiping God, and he remembers fellowship with others who worship God as well. And I think we can relate to that, can't we? Just think of the last year. You say, I, I remember what it was like. Just put yourself two months into the past for a second, right? And imagine yourself going, I remember what it was like to worship face-to-face -face with people. I remember what it was like to be side-by-side -side and not staring at a screen every Sunday morning because I had no other choice. Or give it, give it from, take it from my perspective. I would say to myself, I remember what it was like to preach and minister to people face-to-face -face and not just staring at a camera with a little red light or preaching to people without masks on so that I could see that they, they, weren't, they weren't nodding off or frowning or sticking their tongue out at me. You can't do that anymore, most of you. Prayer isn't, I hope you see, prayer isn't just asking for things or complaining about things. Oh, it is that. You can ask and you can complain. But prayer is so much more. Prayer is activating memory. 
Prayer orders your life in the context of where you've been, what you've experienced, who you've known. Prayer is putting all of that into context. It's not reliving your history. Don't misunderstand me. But prayer is learning from your history. Prayer is, is grieving over your past. Prayer, prayer sometimes is being thankful for your past and what God has done. And even sometimes prayer is about laughing because over what you've done in the past and not taking yourself too seriously. Prayer helps a person, no matter how intelligent she is, no matter how verbose he is, prayer helps a person become less shallow. You ever talk to people who don't go deep at all? They don't want to talk about their past. They don't want to talk about history. They don't want to talk about important events. They just, they're like weather and sports. Weather and sports and, and the prices in the grocery store. Prayer and memory help you be less shallow of a person because there's a depth to you. There's a depth there. Why? Because you have invited God into your memory. That's what prayer helps us do. The problem with memory is it can be painful, right? It's painful when your past joy and blessings are contrasted with your present sorrow and calamities. We talk about bittersweet memories because what you used to love and enjoy is no longer with you. And so memory can at times be painful, but... God's nourishment of you in the present is essential. Memory is important because in the present, as you remember the past, you have the opportunity to meditate. God's God nourishing you now often comes through meditation. That's why we have so many psalms. And if you read Psalm number one, setting the whole thing up, it's all about meditation. Take a look. God blesses us in the present. He nourishes you right now through, through meditation. Now, that's not obvious at first in Psalm 42 because the singer is contrasting his past blessings with his current calamities, right? Look at verse 3. He says, I, I am so thirsty for God. Sounds great. I'm so thirsty for God. Very impressive. But then he says, my tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God, right? So he's, he's thirsting for God, but what's he getting? He's drinking his tears. He's thirsty for God. He's drinking his sorrow instead. That's what's available to him. And as the people around him start to doubt God, he does it too. And he even says in verse 10, why have you forgotten me? Even more contrast, instead of a cool, quenching drink, what does he get? He gets a torrent. Look at verse 7. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Remember, he's up in the north at the edge of Israel. He's up by Mount Hermon, he says, right? He's, he says, I remember you from the land of Jordan, of Hermon, of Mount Mazar. Up there in Mount Hermon, those are the headwaters of the Jordan River. 
So if they're headwaters, if they're the source of the mighty Jordan River, well, what do you expect in, in an area where there are headwaters in the mountains? This is a rough and tumbling, jagged, dangerous mountain stream, swiftly flowing. Lots of rapids. That's where he is. Lots of rapids. And, and, and the Hebrew expression, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, it describes his situation poetically. Breaker calling out to breaker. Waterfall calling out to waterfall. Rapid calling out to rapid. And he finds himself caught in between them. The rapids, the breakers are calling one another in that roar, in that roar of the mighty stream in the mountains. And he finds himself tossed about in between them. Right? Many of us know the helplessness of being caught in water on the ocean. Right? The, the, the panic and the fear of a riptide or of the current drawing you back out. Or if, you've ever sw- if you ever have tubed or, 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 or kayaked or just swam in a swiftly flowing mountain stream, you know the helplessness that you experience when the current takes you wherever you, it wants to take you. Right? We know that helplessness. But in the torrent... In the torrent, prayer is needed. Not only after you get spit out of the rapids is when you pray, but you pray in the midst of it. Prayer is not just about the past. It's about the present also. Eugene Peterson also wrote, since life does not come to us in neat categories, neither does prayer. We don't have to have it all figured out before we pray. Peterson writes, the Psalms teach us to pray by immersing us in the stream of life as it comes to us, wet and wild. Just as prayer orders our past, it orders our present also. And I think most importantly, through the habit of meditation. What does he say in verses 5 and 6? Why are you cast down? Who's he talking to? Oh, my soul. He's talking to himself. Why are you cast down, oh, my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For again, I shall praise him, my salvation and my God. The scholar Derek Kidner calls this self-communing. At this point, he's not even praying. He's talking to himself, which is what Tim Keller describes meditation to be, talking to yourself about God. And I would, for our purposes today, define meditation like this, coaching yourself to respond in the present to God's nature and actions. That's what he's doing. Come on, self. Why are you so downcast? Why are you so depressed, self? Hope in God. Praise him again. He's your salvation. Coaching yourself to respond in the present to God's nature and his actions. And, and this is how we thirst for God, and it's how he nourishes us. The meditation itself is both an act of thirst and a blessing of meditation. So commit yourself, if you're a Christian, commit yourself to regular meditation, which is presently respond to God's nature, his personality, and his acts as you understand them guided by his truth, by his word. Commit yourself regular to meditation. Read the Bible, then process what you read. 
If you go back a few years, you can listen to the message recording on Psalm 1. There's some specific guidance for meditation there. Read the Bible, then process it. Process it by yourself. Process it with each other. And then respond in prayer. As Chrissy said earlier to the kids, hide his word in your heart. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I go and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. As they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for again I shall praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. My salvation and my God. I did not memorize Psalm 42 this week. It's one of several psalms and passages of Scripture that I've memorized over the years. And I don't offer it to you as a way of showing off or bragging. This is coming from a place of weakness and suffering. There are times in your life where you can't grab a Bible. There are times in your life where you can't pull out your smartphone and go to your Bible app and read it. There are times when you're in the dark or in an MRI tube, or in the car, or in the middle of an intense argument where you feel threatened and you need to have hid his word in your heart. And if you're not good with passages of scripture, maybe just a single verse. But hide his word in your heart. Let it sink in. Think about it. Chew on it. That's what meditation means. Chew on it. Process it with others and inside yourself, talk to yourself about God as his word is hidden in your heart. And as Galadriel said, it will become for you a light in dark places. Commit yourself to regular meditation. Respond to God's nature and actions in the present, in the present, okay? Now, Eugene Peterson writes that the absence of prayer, when we neglect it, it can lead to an absence of memory. I don't mean you forget everything and now you have amnesia. Memory as guided by God, okay? Remember I said earlier, the reason you're not shallow, the reason you go deep is because you have invited God into your memories, right? Well, the absence of prayer, Peterson wrote, 
can lead to an absence of memory. And then when you lack God-guided memory, it can lead to an absence of order. When you lack order, he writes, you will lack meaning and purpose. You may meditate on the trouble at hand or you may meditate on the adversaries at your back, but ask yourself, am I meditating on God right now? You're chewing on something. What is it? If we neglect prayer, if we neglect to habitually pray to a God who the Psalms reveal to us is really there and a God who really does listen, why are there 150 of them? God listens. But to neglect prayer to a God who is there and a God who listens, that is impoverishing yourself. Yeah, it's true. Sometimes God doesn't give you what you ask for. And sometimes God seems to be silent and seems to be absent. But when we neglect prayer, we are malnourishing ourselves. Peterson again wrote, prayerless, we speak gibberish. And often it is a very learned gibberish, but it's gibberish all the same. Nothing adds up in such a life. No meaning accumulates. And I thought about that, and I thought, isn't that our society right now? Isn't that some of us malnourished of meaning and purpose and clarity and hope with no means of quenching our thirst? In our society, we, we know that sexuality matters, but we don't know why it matters. We know that social justice is important, but we don't really know why. We know that our money and our time are incredibly valuable, and we don't know what to do with those resources. Are you in a, ask yourself, are you in a torrent of chaotic emotions and fears and separating yourself from a God who listens. You have to invite him back into your memory and let him give you perspective and meaning. And that's why we look at the Psalms. A hope. We talked about the past, looking back on God's goodness to us. We talked about the present and how even if we're thirsty and, 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 uh, uh, and in a torrent in the present, we have meditation as a way of reflecting on his nature and his actions, right? But what about the future? Hoping in God's future nourishment of you will make all of the thirst worthwhile. We don't typically enjoy being really thirsty and hungry before we're quenched or filled up. But God's future nourishment of you will make the thirst worthwhile. Despite life's torrential situation that the singer is in, the singer seems to find in that current a rock to grab onto. And so he says in verse 8, I think it's the heart of the psalm, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Though in verse 3, he's drinking his tears day and night. In verse 8, he's saying, God loves me day and night. 
I'm drinking my tears day and night, but God loves me day and night. And it's the Hebrew word hesed, steadfast love, forever love, covenantal love, sticky forever love. I'm drinking my tears constantly, but God's loving me constantly. And that, I think, is why he was able to say to himself in verse 5 in his act of meditation, hope in God. And here's the future. For I shall again praise him. His hope is in God's future nourishment. Not present, future nourishment of his downcast soul. And when Jesus of Nazareth said on the final day of the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem, standing up and shouting out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Amazing. Now, John's gospel says he was talking about the Holy Spirit who had not yet come to indwell his people. But Jesus is saying so much will God fill you that you'll have enough not only for yourself but for others. It's like Psalm 23, my cup runneth over. So much of God's nourishment that you have plenty to share with everybody around you. When Jesus said that, he was quenching the thirst of all the Psalms. Everybody who longed for God in a dry and weary land. As the Psalms look to the future for God's Spirit to deliver them, we, already filled with His Holy Spirit, look to the future for Jesus to return and dwell with us forever. We look to the future with far more hope than the psalmist does here in 42. Because the one who said on a Roman cross, I thirst. Imagine the creator of the universe who created the deep say, I thirst. I thirst. And the one who said, I thirst, drank the wrath of God's absence and rejection. You feel like God's not around, you're thirsty, so is Jesus. He sympathizes completely with you. Jesus drank the cup of God's rejection and absence so that you never would have to. And when Christ followers thirst, they long for what they already have. In part, yes, that's why you're still thirsting. But you already have it. As Paul said, a foretaste of things to come. Those who thirst for God find nourishment even in their adversity. And that nourishment comes as they commit, as they commit themselves to meditation that opens up the gates to a productive, meaningful life of prayer. And Jesus invites us to meditate on his soul-quenching love and kindness and friendship. Remember the past and the ways that he has nourished you. And now in the present, let meditation nourish you further, especially when you're grieving a loss or you're swept up in a torrent. 
Let meditation be his nourishment to you now. And, and hope, hope in his future nourishment of your weary soul. When he will wipe away every tear. When sorrow and death and sickness will be no more. For the old order of things, as Revelation chapter 21 says, the old order of things will have passed away. That is our hope in a God who nourishes us past, present, future. Let's get into our kayak or our raft and move forward in that swift current and see where the Psalms take us this summer. Let's pray. Our God, thank you for listening to us. We confess that our thoughts, our desires, our emotions, our frustrations are jumbled up. They're a mess. They're pictures scattered all over the table. We need you to make some sense of it all. We need you to help us order our past, meditate on our present, and look towards the future. Father, help us sort all of this out. Be with us. We are thirsty. We long for you. Thank you that you have given us your spirit. Thank you that you will send back your son. And we long for that day. In his name, Jesus Christ. Amen.